there are many ways in which your life changes. Sometimes, these changes happen slowly, like a sapling growing. You notice that a seed has sprouted, but you don't pay much attention to it. Suddenly, before you realize it, it is a little plant, firmly rooted, with leaves, stems, buds, and it grows, slowly but steadily, changing every single day with small, seemingly imperceptible changes, which later all measure up, add, and contribute to it. Sometimes it happens overnight, like a phone call, after which you can never go back to what was before. But it is rare that both these changes happen together. In my case, they haven't exactly occurred at the same time, but they have happened one after the other. I usually do not think much about it, and I am not one to philosophize, but for the past day and a half lying in this hospital bed, I have had plenty of time to think. The hospital is as unfriendly a place as can be, with its stark rooms, antiseptic smell, and the spartan pieces of functional furniture. Just what is essential and nothing more do not help. Dr. Shalaja, a spinster at sixty-four, attired in starched cotton saris as stiff as her unsympathetic heart, runs the hospital with the precision of a military sergeant. She is extremely good at her job, and one of the best in the country, which is why my parents thought it would be a good idea to get me admitted under her care. Whatever it is, I am here now, and it feels like a nightmare. Except, it is no dream. The ivy drip is real. So is the little rubber tube that goes into my right nostril. It is for the oxygen, so that the oxygen levels do not fall. It might be a little uncomfortable, but you will be okay soon. A smiling nurse says in her heavily accented English that screams she is from Kerala as she adjusts the tube in my nose. The intravenous drip attached to my left arm hurts a bit, but when the nurse asks if it's too painful, I shake my head. I have been admitted here since last morning. Dr. Shailaja has visited twice. There are nurses walking in and out, writing down all sorts of things and every now and then checking if I have dilated enough. They also keep checking my temperature, my blood pressure, and assure me that I am doing fine. How can my life have changed so drastically in less than a year? Yet it has, and it is a choice that I made. Ten months ago, I was on the cover of Glamour, which is no mean achievement. And even though my parents never approved of my modeling career, I know my mother boasts about it to the ladies in her circle. Privately, they have ticked me off, castigated me, tried to knock some sense into me, in their words, and tried to make me use my intelligence instead of my body. But I don't see anything wrong in what I did. My mother has never been around for me, nor has my dad. Agreed, they have given me every single thing that money can buy. There is nothing I have lacked, including an expensive boarding school education. But I don't think my parents care for me. The only time I got a chance to see them was during the two months of summer vacation, which I hated. Dad was always traveling, and for my mother, I was just a minor inconvenience that got in the way of her very hectic social life. Once, when I was seven, 
I had walked into my parents' bedroom and climbed into the bed between them. My mother had woken up and screamed at me and told me to go back to my own room. I had pretended to, but I was just outside the door when I heard hushed whispers, and the male voice was not my dad's. Damn, do you think she realized? He had asked. I don't think so, but I think you better leave, said my mom. A few months after that, I was sent to a boarding school, which was where I celebrated my eighth birthday. Being popular in school, I was always invited by one friend or the other to spend the summer holidays with them. It was always Suchi's house I chose. Somehow I never wanted to spend time at home, and it suited my mother just fine.